Our children seldom eat their bread crusts. No matter how much we ask, no matter how much we complain about the wastage of seemingly good food, crusts are treated with the same disdain as a banana peel or the rind of an orange left to rot at the bottom of a school bag. But are we wrong? What is so good about the bread crusts anyway? After all, it's just hard bread. Our kids certainly don't need the extra calories. So maybe they're right after all. Maybe the crusts should be next on the chopping list. Bread is absolutely one of our favourite foods. Most people eat bread every day, sometimes even more often. On average, a quarter of the carbs and one in every ten calories that we eat comes from our daily bread. It all starts out from the same dough, made exactly from the same ingredients. However, evaporation in the oven creates a dry, firm, brown crust on the outside that deliciously contrasts to the soft, moist, porous parts inside. This is known as the crumb. But whether crust on the outside or crumb on the inside, it's all still bread. It's all still made from the same dough. The rate at which water is lost from the surface of baking bread is really what makes the crust, and this can be adjusted. For example, we can change the oven temperature, the humidity, the flow of air with a fan, and this means that modern bakers can accurately control the thickness and hardness of any crust and create the same perfect culinary results over and over again, loaf after loaf after loaf. In the same way, it's actually possible to make effectively crustless bread by baking at a low heat with high humidity so the crust doesn't dry out, or heating the dough from the inside rather than the outside by using an electric current or a microwave, for example. Sounds like a really great idea for the kids, you know? Wow, crustless bread. But somehow this concept has never really caught on. Despite our children's obvious disgust of eating their crusts and our obvious disgust at their wastage. Of course, unleavened bread has no crusts and you don't see the matzos corners being left behind. Waste not, want not, they say. In times now long past, eating all the crusts was critically important precisely because the bread crusts contain valuable nutrients to help us survive, or at the very least not starve so easily. In fact, if you count up the bread calories our kids leave behind with their crusts, it would add up to nearly 40% of a slice. So it really is our kids who are waste conscious. And what are we doing? Encouraging them to eat more of the crusty carbs? Begging them to clean their plate? Think of all those starving children in Africa, we say, but who's going to send them the crusts? We'll happily carve off the fat from our steak and encourage our kids to do the same. Why? Because it's excess that we don't need. We would never think of making them eat the fat if they left it behind, and yet the crusts make up many more excess calories every single day than the rind of fat on our meat would ever do. But can we really live without the crusts? One common notion is that without a crust on the outside, Crustless bread would quickly become dry and stale. But if anything, it's actually the bone-dry crust on the outside 
that pulls water away from the moist interior, so the crust gets progressively softer while the inside crumb gets drier in our pantry. This might help to slow moisture-loving mould, but it won't stop the bread from becoming stale. This is because rather than drying, staling is a chemical process. When we cook bread in a hot oven, its starch granules become soft and spongy, like jelly, like the insides of a bread loaf. But with cooling and time, left to its own devices, the same starch will reform into less flexible crystal structures. And this is best illustrated when considering rigid spaghetti before cooking, and then soft springy spaghetti afterwards. Bread going stale is like soft springy spaghetti going all hard again, going back to its original less palatable state. Not by drying out, the water is actually still there, but it's now stuck hard in starch granules, making the bread seem dry and stale. This staling chemistry is sped up at low temperatures, explaining why bread stales faster in the fridge, but may be stopped in the freezer, which is why you can keep bread for a long time there, and then take it out and find it as fresh as the day it was baked. Of course, stick stale bread in the microwave, and the starch crystals will melt away again, and your rock-hard baguette goes back to being limp all over. In early times, bread was cooked in the hot embers of a fire, rather than in an oven. So the crust was hard as a rock, unpalatable, and of course contaminated with ashes. Hardly any wonder no one ate it. But far from being useless, the hard crust could be used as a plate, and then given away to unfortunate souls, who, unable to make a crust for themselves, depended on the kindness of strangers. The crusts could also be fed to animals, although today feeding leftover people food to animals like goats and pigs is frowned upon lest they get our diseases, and of course throwing it into the compost just encourages the mice. Even the birds or the ducks shouldn't have the crusts. Bread is really no good for them, and the bread mould, by the time we feed it to them, is even worse. By being on the outside, the crust is also in contact with the external environment and all the fingers and flies and other contaminants that might touch it on its way to our mouths. It is possible that, in avoiding the crusts, maybe our kids are just being hygienic. Then again, like when did that ever happen? Maybe the crusts are just a choking hazard to be avoided. Thanks to the enzymes in our saliva, a wafer of crustless unleavened bread almost miraculously dissolves on our tongue. But the crusts take some chewing to go down. It's not like crisps where, with one crunch, you can shatter it into a million pieces. You need to chew those dry crusts with your molars and make some saliva before they go down. This is why we don't give them to toddlers. And maybe one reason our kids take so long to grow into eating their crusts. Yet even when they have all their own teeth in, and are quite prepared to use them to chomp down on an apple or a carrot, the crusts still seem to be the first ones to be left behind. One famous wives' tale suggests that eating all your crusts will make your hair grow curly or curlier. Not that our children particularly care about that. Moreover, it's not actually true. If you want curly hair, you actually have to spend some money and go to the hairdresser. This is probably where the old myth started off. Having curly hair was once considered an important sign of wealth. I mean, what medieval lass had so much time on her hands that she could ornately curl her hair, or at least pay someone else to do it for her? She had to have some dough, right? Or at least 
she didn't have to work very hard making a crust. Another theory is that the leftover crusts, if you had them, would be fed to the pigs whose tails are intrinsically curly. Hence, the crusts cause curly hair, like a pig's tail. Nice idea, but pigs get curly tails regardless. Another possible explanation is that our kids actually normally have straight hair, far less curly than their parents. And these are the same kids who don't eat their crusts, and the same parents who do. But young hair is just finer, shorter, and less susceptible to curl. It's not because they don't eat their crusts. Natural curls are largely a matter of genetics and time, rather than diet. And unnatural ones, well, they just depend on your wallet and your hairdresser. Why the upper crust should be better than the other part of bread is also a mystery. You know, the upper crust, think Downton Abbey, gentry, aristocracy, money, wealth, power, cucumber sandwiches and the like. But what on earth has this got to do with bread crusts? Well, the upper crust presumably is that well-rounded top of a loaf that is not squished in or made to conform like the other three sides. And as the bread rises, the upper crust takes on a life of its own often with more taste and texture. Same goes for muffins, where the tops are undoubtedly the best part. Some scholars think that the upper crust was actually the part that was given away, customarily, to the highest ranked at the table. And if that were you, and if you could have whatever part you wanted, just one part of the muffin, what would you want? You'd want the upper crust, right? Not the soggy bottom. It sounds plausible, but more likely the upper crust had nothing to do with bread, it was just slang for head, and those people who wore big hats on top, on their upper crust. Most adults find it hard to imagine bread without crusts. I mean, it's babyish. It's tasteless. It's unpalatable. Bread without crusts, really? It's like flat beer. It's still drinkable, but why would you? This is because most of the aroma and the flavour of bread, most of its character, comes from the crust. This is also why those French baguettes taste so much better, because they smell better, because they have better crusts. The same chemistry that makes crusts temptingly golden brown also leads to the generation of complex, intense aromas and flavours in a crust, more than found in any other part of the loaf. Most adults prefer these tasty bits over the bland interior of white bread, but our children do not. Children generally prefer sweet and dislike bitter tastes. And the highest concentration of bitter chemicals is found in the crust. The same taste preferences also sees our children happily consuming their bland, starchy potatoes, but avoiding the green vegetables, rich as they are, in flavour and nutrients. They'll drink milk, but we love our bitter roasted coffee. This taste preference may actually be a survival mechanism for our kids they will spit out any bitter poisons before they knew any better, while avidly consuming abundant sweet as and when it became available, mother's milk. But all too quickly, they grow up. They start eating their crusts and drinking beer. The same browning chemistry that gives crusts their flavour also creates other chemicals. Some have the potential to impact on our health. In a pure form and in high doses, some of these have been shown to be prebiotic or even have anti-cancer effects. Equally, some have the opposite effect like acrylamide and benzopyrene, which are found in crusts but also in cigarette smoke. But the doses of these we get each day are relatively small and the net health effect of these browning chemicals in our crusts 
even if we ate them, is as equivocal as those in our beer. But for all its wondrous crusty flavours liked or disliked, for the most part bread is not consumed on its own anymore. Today it's generally used as an edible platform for the delivery of those things like butter or jam or honey or cheese. Bread is just an accessory, and if the topping doesn't spread over the crust, well, what's the point of eating any further? No butter? No jam? Just dough? I don't think so. I've got all I wanted, says the five-year-old. The same argument goes for pizza crusts. Being devoid of the topping makes the pizza crust seem excessively bland when compared to the sumptuously coated interior. Some companies have attempted to solve this problem by coating a pizza crust with additional ingredients, sweetening it or salting it, to mask the bitter products of browning. But it still doesn't work. It's just a spoon, a popsicle stick, a cheap utensil with which to shovel pizza. It's just the crust. The bottom line is that bread crusts are not what they once were. Eating your daily crusts was essential to survival. Today it isn't, and we should just get over it. Nagging our children to eat something only encourages their determination to dislike it, and there's no reason that they should. The bread crust is no healthier than the rest. The crusts don't contain more fibre, more antioxidants. It all starts out from the same dough, and just because the crumb has air pockets inside it and the crust hasn't, doesn't mean that they're radically different kind of bread. It's only denser and there's more of it. Sure, when you're throwing out the crusts, you're throwing away some fibre, some vitamins and minerals, but we get plenty of those anyway and could do far better elsewhere. The big danger in this day and age is eating too much, in excess of what we really need. Eating all of your crusts is a medieval health lesson, but it still would be nice if they could put them in the bin. For more information on crusts and anything else to do with longevity, please read The Longevity List by Merlin Thomas, available from all good bookstores or from longevitylistbook.com. Thank you for listening.